Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. All right, it's good stuff. Yeah? It's the Laugh Podcast. We're your host. I'm the L Train. Rich Lusk over there is the two frames. Mr. Ryan Bull, how are you, sir? Doing well. Howdy. Uh, this is the episode 111. 111. Ooh, I nailed it. <laughs> that's not, that's rare. <laughs> Uh, we had the opportunity over the break to do some online shopping on Amazon. Have you ever bought anything off of a television station like QVC or HSN? Never. Really? Never. Have you ever watched QVC or HSN? No. Really? I mean, nothing significant. Nothing over 30 seconds. There's something mesmerizing about it. I used to like to watch infomercials, but I would turn well, them like off as soon as I want to uh, buy something. That's how they work, though. They get you all riled up. It's pretty effective marketing. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, the only real station that came in was a QVC HSN type station. <laughs> and it wasn't on cable. So I, know, I think QVC was the first of its type on basic cable. But this was an over-the-air, over-the-air, whatever, regular <laughs> antenna-ized uh, television show that I watched through the night sometimes when I was in college. So, one of the people that was the progenitor of this was a woman named Joy Mangano. This whole idea of televised marketing of individual products on a channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, David O. Russell, the director, decided to tell her story. In the movie, Joy. Mm-hmm. Well, some version of her story. This is a wild story of a family, according to IMDb, across four generations centered on a girl who becomes the woman who founds a business dynasty and becomes a matriarch in her own right. Christy, look at me. I want you to remember something because a lot of times people get nice things and they start to think differently. We got here from hard work, patience, and humility. So I want to tell you, don't ever think that the world owes you anything because it doesn't. The world doesn't owe you a thing. I was valedictorian in high school. I got into a fancy college. I stay in here because my parents are getting divorced. You know what you are, Terry? You're like a gas leak. We don't see you, we don't smell you, but you're silently killing us all. Maybe your dreams are on hold for now. That's a nice way of putting it. You're so beautiful. You could have married anybody. You could have married a doctor, a lawyer, a nice man instead of this... I don't even know what to call this guy. Are you seriously talking about this right now? I believe ordinary meets the extraordinary every single day. I have real ambitions and real ideas. We're making an invention, and it's very serious. Joy's never run a business in her entire life. It's my fault. I gave her the confidence to think she was more than just an unemployed housewife. I don't want to end up like my family. I have to do things myself once and for all. Okay, Godspeed. Good luck. Here we go. Stars Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, Diane Ladd, Virginia Madsen, Isabella Rossellini, and Susan Lucci's in this as one of the, uh, I guess, hosts of QVC. No, no, no. There's a this weird uh, sort of dream sequence. I think oh, it also starts right. the film that of of uh, soap opera stars. And they used real soap opera stars for the for that those parts of the movie. Well, you can't fake being a soap opera star. <laughs> no, it added a lot to it, though. I think. What was your take on Joy? Were you, was it joyous for you? 
I don't think I would say it's joyous. David O. Russell and I have a complicated relationship with each other. <laughs> uh, there have been some films of his that I've enjoyed immensely. This is his ninth film. And my problem is he keeps doing these uh, historical films, you know, that are based on real events, but he puts his own David O. Russell spin on them. So to me, whenever I'm watching them, I always go, is this what really happened? It just doesn't feel right. It just feels like he's stylizing it a little too much. Mm -hmm. And apparently there are a bunch of other successful business women stories that were put into this so that while originally this film was supposed to be a biographical film, by the time David O. Russell was done writing the script, they could no longer make that claim. It's only very loosely based on Joy uh, Maga Mangino's story. So. Mangano. Mangano. I let Gino. <laughs> Apparently, David O. Russell uh, was, didn't even really want to meet the real-life Joy. He talked to her on the phone a couple times, but well, he didn't want to be too strongly influenced. he talked influenced. to her like 40 times. And then when he finally did meet her, I think he met with her and her father mm -hmm. and her father suggested that he was the one that was responsible for her success <laughs> but yeah I don't, I don't think he was I, I as far as i'm concerned the movie isn't really acting as a biopic i've heard him talk about it a lot he said it wasn't he didn't mean it to be he wanted it to be about strong women that he's known well i mean i think those are the things i i like i like the character of joy some of the things that happens to her and the way that she is so easily able to fit situations completely on her own after everyone else is thrown in the towel i find to just be a little far-fetched right so the, those the are character my character was a little contrived y yeah and just even i feel like you could take any family from a david o russell film and put them in a different david o russell film and they would serve the same purpose joy's family is absolutely horrible in much the same way that the family in the fighter is just absolutely horrible and parasitic to the lead character and uh, same thing in Silver Linings Playbook. There's a lot of dysfunction going on yeah. in those movies. But Would you that's where the humor comes. And those are the best parts of the movie to me. I thought this movie was great for 38 and a half minutes. And you, then once it got out of sort of her dysfunction and became more her story on QVC, I just got bored. And it, it sort of uh, wandered away from me like, a, like an orphan trying to escape home and going off into the snow by itself. And it was sad for me because I wanted it to be so much better than it wound up being, which is, you know, I guess a focus of mine that doesn't is a sort of an invalid criticism overall. If it's completely subjective, I wanted it to be as funny as it was in the first 38 minutes. And I've read some other critical commentary about it, and they say that those are the worst parts of the movie. The beginning of it? Yeah, the, the, it, when it focused on her individually and her individual story and her accomplishments, it became a much better film. But for me, it was the other way around. I see. I preferred the stuff with her at QVC. Yeah, right around the time Bradley Cooper showed up was the time that I just kind of, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on this roller coaster. I can't get off. So I might as well try to enjoy it as much as I can. <laughs> try to keep my eyes open. Now, it wasn't horrible. I've seen a lot of movies this year with that are female centric i think the last one being uh hateful eight and star wars <laughs> but i also saw brooklyn and carol and the movie room final girls mm -hmm. mad max fury road female centric well anyway there's a there's a central character who is who happens to be female 
And uh, I don't know if this is uh, near the top of those movies. It doesn't have the same impact, I think, that O. Russell was going for. Yeah. It wasn't inspirational. And I I like Jennifer Lawrence. She's good in this film. I think she's miscast. She's still a little too young, I feel, for this role. And it's hard to buy into her having kids and pretty much running a whole family and taking care of everyone. It just doesn't feel like that long ago we were seeing her as a teenager involved in the Hunger Games. Well, she's always had that issue, especially like with American Hustle. Yeah, she was a little too young for that. But how old do you think the character is? In American Hustle? No, in this movie, in Joy. How old do you think the character is? Uh, Early 30s. So how old do you think Jennifer Lawrence is? I think she's 25 or 26. Yeah. She, she's a little too young. I, I feel like she could do this role in five years. She will be able to do these roles, but I, I don't know. I just I, I, I want to see her be in rom-coms and romance films where she meets a guy and falls for him. We don't need the after story yet. Like the, the bitter remains of a, of a broken marriage? No, just, I mean, what, whatever. But she, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to see her in pictures where she's been married and divorced. And I think she's done enough of them for me that that doesn't matter. And she's a good enough actress. I was trying to think of what other actress would fit this role. And there aren't really many in that sort of wheelhouse that or that, that age range. Natalie Portman. See, she wouldn't fit this role. Why not? I just don't see her doing it. I don't see her as being... She's not as strong a character to me oh. as uh, or as strong an actress. I mean, she's a good actress and all, but she's not... She, she doesn't have the same weight that Jennifer Lawrence does. Jennifer Lawrence does Harriet and Hasseled really well, which is what this movie needed. She needed They needed someone to be looking at themselves, looking at the reflection of themselves in the mirror and not liking what they see and having to attack that and go after it. And I, I think Natalie Portman can do that. I think she did a lot of that stuff in Black Swan. Yeah, but that was a different thing. It was a kid at the age of 18 or 19 doing that. And she was just looking at the situation that she found herself in that wasn't a result of her giving up, I don't think. Uh, I think Natalie Portman's one of the finest actresses out there. Well, that's would, fine. Would You're her take on the film be different? Sure. Natalie Portman, I don't think that that would be better than Jennifer Lawrence. And I think the... David O. Russell has he he he's lucky in the sense that he's able to write for a cadre of actors, and he can keep those actors in mind. He knows what their strengths and weaknesses are, mm-hmm. and he can play to those strengths and weaknesses. And then it becomes a collaborative effort when they actually start filming. So I think that the fact that he was able to sit down and write this with her in mind made it a better movie. And I can't think. I mean, you say Natalie Portman. Is there anyone? I don't. Um. Who else could you do? Uh, uh, <coughs> the woman from Mad Max, Fury Road. Um, Charlize Theron. Theron. Yeah. yeah She'd be know. a little older, but I think she could do that They're just all fine. sort of older. That's what I mean. Like Jennifer Connelly, Amy Adams, they're all older. They're all in their 40s. Ooh, Amy Adams would be awesome. Amy Adams might be pretty good, but she can play younger. But I think Jennifer Lawrence can play older. I, I, I liked her in this. I liked this. She was the best part of it. I just didn't like her much, the story much after Bradley Cooper got involved. To me, it's not a problem with the acting. Even the story, I don't think it's the big problem. To me, the tone's all over the place. When you start off with this soap opera bit, there's lots of voiceover moments where everything slows down and really melodramatic music is playing. The tone is all over the place from scene to scene, from act to act, and that's what threw me. 
I never really felt like we were centered. Where like Silver Lines Playbook, that set a tone. It, it was ironic. It was weird, but it kept that up the whole film. Mm-hmm. So it just it worked for me. Here, David O. Russell's all over the place. Uh, American Hustle, I felt kept a consistent tone. I didn't care for that tone a whole lot, but it was consistent. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about Silver Lines Playbook. I didn't care for the tone of that movie either. Yeah, this we're going. Well, I like this thirty minutes, and I'm going. Well, I like this other thirty minutes, yeah. and that's because the tone shifts so dramatically. Yeah, it, from it section to section, it doesn't do a very good job with consistency, even with characters that float in and out. There are some funny bits with different characters that seem like they're. They're like stopping in from a Wes Anderson movie and they come in with their cup of coffee and they're like, hey, what's going on in this movie? And then they kind of leave or they show up at one point. They never like you never really get a satisfy satisfying resolution to a whole lot of of these uh, strings or or these uh, subplots that Russell puts out there. And I guess that I mean, that kind of works thematically. Like, do you ever really get a resolution to most of the things in your life? Probably not. Yeah, I just... It never wraps up. Things don't wrap up. I like De Niro in it. I like Diane Ladd, but she seemed to be younger to me than Virginia Madsen, who plays her mother. (laughs) Diane Ladd plays her grandmother, Mimi. She was pretty good. Uh, Also, Isabella Rossellini was awesome, I thought, in this. Yeah, and I think when he wrote this, he was thinking of her for the role. Like, I think all these characters fit their role. All these actors fit their roles. The exception may be a Bradley Cooper. I mean, but you said you liked that part, so. I, I kind of like Bradley Cooper. I also felt like he came in for about a week to film his bit and then left. Yeah. I don't feel like he was there for too much. Uh, Edgar Ramirez, I kind of like that guy. I wish he was in the film more. He plays Jennifer Lawrence's ex-husband who's yeah. living in the basement. <laughs> and that's a relationship that's really underdeveloped. That's actually one of the truer things in the book. Yeah. but I mean, in the movie. But he has just a couple moments in the film, and I think he makes the most of those opportunities. It gets me excited about seeing him in Hands of Stone, where he's going to play a boxer who's trained by Robert De Niro. Yeah, Tony Ayala. All right? Or is it Roberto Duran? Yeah. Roberto Pier- Duran. Pier- Manos, I don't know. I don't know Spanish. Uh, Hands of Stone. Yeah. So that comes out Roberto here in, Durant. I think, three or four months. So Pretty good. Pretty excited about that. I think he's uh, a new talent on the scene. That we I didn't realize that to. he was that old. I thought he was a lot younger. He plays older in this film, too. They're playing with ages. And Robert De Niro plays a lot younger <laughs> yeah, than yeah. he is. De Niro's getting up there. So, All right. So we need to spoil this, Sydney. Well, I want to talk about the ending a little bit. Okay, then let's spoil it. <laughs> the man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. When Scott Glenn pops in at the end, <laughs> it's like the end of Kill Bill. I don't think it's Scott Glenn. But the guy at the very end that she figures out the, the whole sort of mystery surrounding Mm-hmm. Uh, the what is it like a patent mm-hmm. contract or there was some someone else has a patent on some squeezable they, they mop were, they were paying it off or she was paying him off or giving him points to the, to her role or whatever that whole scene was so annoying to me and it was the climax of the film the the guy spins in there with his big uh, ten gallon hat makes an appearance and he's like they have this sort of strained stressed out conversation and by then and this is the climax i was just like 
please come on man it's it's too pat it ties everything up and if this is some evil mastermind businessman he wouldn't just give up after a lady talks for two minutes well would you even have that conversation uncovers his plan no you'd be doing this through lawyers would she even be doing this like secretly she writes a cryptic note to her family and she sort of just leaves now she might leave that family that's in the film so it wasn't it, it wasn't the reality of the situation that or the unreality of it that annoyed me i think it was just the way it was set up and and i'm struggling with it. i'm struggling to figure out why i hated it so much but i just had a visceral reaction against it as much as i liked the first part of the movie this that that scene it was just like i don't know i recoiled away from it yeah, it, well, it was just, it was too pat where, go back to something like Silver Lines Playbook, where it all comes down to that ballroom competition, and not to ruin that film. But, but the way did. No, 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 I mean, it comes down to this ballroom competition. That's why Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence get together in that film, because they, they have to be dance right. partners. But the way O'Russell ends that scene and how characters are kind of successful and kind of not, <laughs> that's so much better. It, it just, it oh. works... It's it's not Pat. I had the same feeling about both scenes. <laughs> oh no, no, no. I was I dislike Silver Lines Playbook a lot. In fact, I probably like this movie better than Silver Lines Playbook. Oh, you're hurting me. Yeah. That's just mean talk. <laughs> the Manic Pixie Playbook. Uh does this go up for any awards? I don't know because I mean Jennifer Lawrence acting award is a distinct possibility. I don't think that he gives the rest of the actresses and actors enough to do. Isabella Rosalie, best uh, supporting actress. No, I think that that's a strong category this year. So it would be surprising if she shot if she showed up. Like I said, she doesn't have enough to do, and I know that that doesn't really matter necessarily with the with the uh, Academy, but she didn't really stick out either, like some of the other supporting actresses I've seen. But I, I don't know. What do I know? I'm not in the Academy, and a lot of that's just a political thing. So I would nominate. Rosalini, I'm not sure that Jennifer Lawrence gets the nomination this year. I, I feel like if you keep nominating her every time she's in a David O. Russell film, she's starting to turn into this generation's Meryl Streep. Well, has she's won, though, right? She has no, won. Meryl Streep has won several times. I know, but Meryl Streep is, is that like, a bad oh, look, thing? Meryl be... Streep's in a movie. Let's just nominate her for this. Well, now nah, Jennifer Lawrence it will be nominated for movies coming up because she's a good actress yeah I, I don't think that this is as strong as things like winter's bone silver lines playbook even american hustle i think yeah, was a stronger better performance than, better than silver lines playbook much better than silver lines her playbook. acting performance isn't as strong she's still yeah. really good she's incredibly watchable this is not one of her top 10 acting performances though that's a lot like when we reviewed hateful eight mm-hmm. last week on the show and talked about tarantino and said this isn't one of the top tarantino films it's still Tarantino. It's still awesome. Jennifer Lawrence is still an amazing actress in almost everything she d- she's done. I mean, I, I'm hard-pressed to pick a bad acting performance that she did other than the Bill Ingrell show, <laughs> the TBS sitcom she was on uh, years ago. She was also a mascot in Monk. <laughs> she was like a big bear mascot or something, a big lion. Whew, it was hot in there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh. The Beaver is one of her best acting performances. Yeah. She's wonderful in that. Uh, I don't disagree necessarily. I think that this was better than Silver Lines Playbook. And it may be that she gets an acting award just because of the pedigree and what's going on. David O. Russell might get a screenplay award nomination. I don't know if he'll get... I mean, this movie was nominated for Best Ensemble, right? Mm-hmm. 
And those are generally line up pretty well with the best picture, best ensemble in, sorry, the uh, Golden Globes. And those generally line up with best picture in the Oscar. So mm-hmm. someone could make a case for it. I don't think that there's enough critical support for the movie. But who knows? I don't know. I really, I, it's Oscar stuff. I don't really care. Yeah, I, I think that they're all bloviating, self-involved oh, no. narcissists. I, I just don't. I think that the Laffies were more important. No, no. I mean, as much as I love our Laffies, I'm very excited. I think next Thursday the nominations come out. Oh, I thought it was in February. No, no February is the show. Oh, okay. The voting, right. I think, doesn't start until February, though. Well, for your consideration, Joy. <laughs> uh, if you've seen Joy, you should write into the show. You can email us at the Laugh Podcast. Uh, you can tweet us at the Laugh Podcast, or you can send us a message on the Guild Facebook at facebook.com slash the Laugh Podcast. Basically, the Laugh Podcast, and you're good to go. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Yeah. So that's a joy. Uh, next week, we're looking at The Revenant. Yeah, man. That'll be episode Movie one, of the year. 113. That I haven't seen yet. And we also have a We Laugh coming up next week. Excellent. So, so uh, this week we got the movie The Masked Saint coming out, which is a remake of Nacho Libra. Chacho, when you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room. Just for fun. Mr. Two Frames over there, I'm the L-Trade. Pox at Bodum, everybody. There be dragons. Dragons.